Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. All right, it's good to see everybody today here at Trinity. Are you happy to be here today? A little sleepy. First service is a little sleepy too. Is this like we're getting toward the end of the summer, we're kind of sad? Is that what we're feeling? Do me a favor, don't forget, don't forget who you are. Don't forget the power that God placed inside of your heart. The Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So we pray, we stand. We push back the darkness. That's just what the church does. So I'm excited this next um, two months we're going to be in the same theme. We're going to talk about what it means to carry the gifts that God's given us. Um, And I believe this. When we step into our purpose... When we carry the things that God gave us to carry and we live those things out, the church, God's kingdom is established and things start to rise. The only thing that keeps God's power from being engaged on our planet is us. How many of you know he's got all the power that we need, right? So gifted. What does it mean to be gifted? Um, So I am... I'm entering a new phase of life. We found out that uh, we are going to be grandparents. It's very exciting for us. At first, you know, I was, the shock and awe hits you. You're like, grandparents, that's like old, old people are grandparents, right? And then you realize we, we, have, we have crested into a new dimension. We're old. Now, with that, you know, comes a lot of different things. You've got to think like, what are you going to be called? And then, you know, my kids are very passionate about my appearance, how we dress. So one of the things that my daughter has been like just, man, she's been like a bird dog on, has been a certain article of clothing that I have that she just detests, but is very dear to me. They're cargo, cargo pants. How many men have cargo shorts? Are they not the greatest invention of our time? You keep the internet, you keep the wheel, cargo pants are the one. I mean, you've got pockets for everything, right? So little by little, my, my daughter has been slowly grabbing these cargo things and getting rid of them. I don't know where she down. She burns them. I know she gives them away. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, it's bad. So we're getting ready to go on this trip and I find myself um, um, at a disadvantage. You know, the older you get, the more stuff that you need to keep you going. You know, I, you know I, I need, you know, my stuff. I have my stuff. I have now I'm old enough to, uh, how many of you are old enough where you have to take pills at some point? You know? And then, like, I'm diabetic, so I have insulin, and I got all kinds of stuff. So, again, a normal pair of shorts does not account for all the things that you need to do as a 50-year-old, right? Now, if you're in your 20s or your 30s, none of this pertains to you. You're young and you're spry. And, you know, if you're out there and you have a, something happens, you know, you get sick, you don't feel good. When you're 50, 60, something bad happens, you could die. You need all the medicine that's possible. And then we're planners. We have things. I have to have antacid. I have to have a lot of ibuprofen. Ibuprofen smoothies are part of my nightly routine. So we're getting ready to go on this, on this, this trip, and, and, and I have a dilemma. What am I going to do? I, need, I have all this stuff I need to carry, but I don't have cargo shorts anymore. I can't carry them. So Robin made a, she made a suggestion. She says, what you need is a satchel. I said, what do you mean a satchel? She goes, you know, like a satchel. I said, you mean like a purse? She goes, no, no, it's a satchel. It's different. It's a man thing. Now, I have made fun of others in this church that have had 
satchels. But she goes, trust me. So we're in Seattle, so we go to the stores, we go to TJ Maxx or something, we pick up a satchel. It's not a purse, it's a satchel. So I'll be honest with you, I, I struggled with it. I brought it with me today. And, and, and I struggled to wear it. As you can see, I'm, not, I'm just not used to, to that stuff. But she assured me that this is a satchel, it's not a purse. So I gave it a shot, and the craziest thing happened. This thing's awesome. <laughs> There's so much room in here. You could carry all, not only could I carry all my stuff, I could put my, my wallet in here, my passport in here, all the stuff I need from Amazon. I could carry snacks. How many of you know snacks are important? Right? I could carry goods from stores. And I know now, I never understood why when women walk with their purses, their purses would be like 92 pounds. You know, do you know why they can put anything in there they want? So I took this everywhere. So you can see, you can go to the next slide. I started to get comfortable with it. See, look, there's me. This is in, in, in Skagway with my satchel. I'm starting to learn how to wear it to get it to where it needs to go. And, and it was just absolutely amazing. Um, I would have never discovered the beauty and the functionality of the satchel. Is that what these are called? Yeah. It's not a purse. <laughs> it's not a purse. It's a satchel. It's a satchel, right? It's a satchel. I would have never understood anything about this if I wouldn't have gone in there and trusted my wife who said this is not a purse and got it. Here's my point. Sometimes we stay in the familiar. We never step out of our comfort zone. And as long as you stay in the familiar, as long as you stay in the harbor, you may be safe, but you'll never be fulfilled. You weren't created to be in, in the harbor. You were created for deep waters. You were created to, to, to be reliant on him. So that means you've got to step out of your comfort zone. Now, while we were on that boat, you know, you get everything on the boat's free. So free 99, how many know is a good price? So I tried all kinds of stuff I've never tried. Have you ever, you ever had escargot? You know what that is? Snails. Now, I'd never eat snails in the wild. But I'll tell you what, you put garlic butter on those things, those go down pretty easy, right? Of course, you put garlic butter on a napkin, I'll eat that, right? <laughs> Doesn't matter, I'll eat it all, right? Here's my point. Sometimes we limit ourselves to what we know. We stay in what's safe and what's common. Now, if you do that when it comes to your faith, if you just stay with what you know, and if you just stay with, what you, with what's common, do you know what you produce? You produce a boring faith. You produce a, purpose, a purposeless faith. You produce a powerless faith. Faith without power and purpose, it's not faith at all. It's something different. Some of you are bored with your faith because you're too safe. You're focused on the wrong things. You're afraid to step out. You stay in the familiar. And then your faith, the thing that you live is something different. It's something lesser. God did not create you for lesser. He loves you so much. Do you ever think about this? We actually live a John 3.16 faith. For God so loved the world, he gave you his son, which is amazing. But along with his son, you know what else he gave you? Incredible gifts. Incredible abilities to get the job done to fulfill the Great Commission. Things that aren't just reliant on your wisdom and understanding. Aren't you glad that the kingdom isn't just reliant on all the things that you know and all the things that you can do? 
I'm glad because, you know, every once in a while I'm a curmudgeon that can't do anything. But it's not dependent on me. It's dependent on the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me and works through me. So God gives us these things called gifts, divine gifts, powerful gifts. So over the next few months, we're going to look at these gifts, what they are, you know, how they operate in our lives and how they function in the body. All of these spiritual gifts. So when you look at spiritual gifts, by the way, today is a meat and potatoes day. We've got to set the foundational pieces for who we are as a church. I did this roughly about three and a half years ago to kind of set our direction. Uh, and I, I thought it was time for us to revisit what it looks like. All of us have gifts. And I want to give you an idea, a way to look behind the curtain to see how we're built as a church, how we function as a church. So we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. What are spiritual gifts? These are things that God has given to all of us. Gifts that he's given to the, to the church, by the way. How many of you know the church is a people, not a place? You're the church. I'm the church. The church is not an institution. It's an organic people. It's a force to be reckoned with when it comes to our planet. And that's you. Church is built up of living stones. You're part of the living stones. You're part of the secret sauce, baby. Your gift is important. So God gives us all these gifts. Whether you're a believer or not, you get a gift. The Bible says the gifts of God are without reproach. But what, what's cool is this. If you're a believer, you have that gift. Once you give your heart to Christ, God awakens that gift in you, and he shows you the purpose of why he gave it to you. You see, before you know Christ, the gift serves you. After you know Christ, the gift serves the kingdom. It pushes the kingdom forward. All of us have gifts. Ephesians 4, 7 says this. Christ has generously divided out his gifts to us. You are part of the us. Everybody say, I am us. <laughs> so when it comes to gifts, we usually break our gifts, all the gifts that the Bible talks about into three certain areas. The first is this. We have the ministry gifts. These are the gifts that God gave the church. This is the blueprint for how churches are supposed to be built and how they're supposed to function. Now, here's the shame of it. Most churches don't function like this. Most churches function the way they want to function. How many have ever built something and you don't need to look at the directions? How many of you have done that and it's cost you three times the time, the amount of time because you just didn't look at the directions? Right? How many have ever built something and it didn't work because you didn't follow the directions? That's kind of where the church is at sometimes. So we have these ministry gifts or the blueprints, and we're going to talk about those today. Then we have these things called the manifestation gifts. These are the extraordinary supernatural gifts that we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These are the things that just defy logic. This is when God just decides to show up and do miraculous things. They're in there. And then you have these things called the motivational gifts. These are the gifts that are found in Romans 12. We call them motivational gifts because these are the gifts that cause us to act. These are action gifts. These are things that, 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 that awaken our bents and our abilities. Practical nuts and bolts things. So remember this, it's important when it comes to, to gifts. Gifts are not things that, that you possess. We are stewards of the gift. You don't own the gift. We steward it. I mean, God gives us the gift for, for a reason. Have you ever borrowed somebody's car and you're nervous, you don't want to ding it up, you don't want to mess it up, right? Now, if you borrow somebody's car and you don't care about that, don't ever ask me to borrow my car, right? We're stewards. That means we hold them with open hands. God directs us. We don't direct ourselves, right? So these are gifts that are empowered and distributed by the Holy Spirit. 
1 Corinthians, you could turn there if you want, 1 Corinthians 12. This kind of setting up before we get to our main passage. says this. There's different types of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Why does God give you the gift? For the common good. For the purpose of the kingdom, to expand the kingdom. So all of us have been gifted. God has created all of us to do something in the kingdom. So where do we start today? Today we start with how God created the church. What he decided to give us as a church and how he decided for us to function. So before we get there, let's just ask ourselves a question. How are we doing as a church? Now, I'm not just talking about Trinity Community Church. I'm talking about us as the big C church. How is the church doing? Now, churches traditionally, we have a problem with with self-awareness. We don't fully understand what we're doing sometimes and if we're hitting the mark or if we're not. Have you ever met anybody that was not self-aware? They thought they were all that in a bag of chips, and they really weren't. They thought they were knocking out of the park, but they really weren't. I, I remember a few years ago, I went, I went hiking with my buddies. It's the first time we did a, a camping backpacking trip. I'm not talking about your, your, your KOA camping where everything's in the truck, the air conditioner's in the truck and all that stuff. I'm talking about put it all on your back, head into the mountains. You may see a Sasquatch. I don't know. Bring everything that you need to get up in there. So there was about 10 of us that went on this hike. And we grossly overpacked. We woefully underprepared, and we had no idea what we were doing. Other than that, it was a great hike. So the first day, we, we, we do this incline, and it's, we, we, we in a, in a, in a two-mile period, we do an incline of about 3,000 feet, which is a lot. And let me just say this, too. It's dumb. I wouldn't do that. So we're dying. We're in the woods for like four days. And by the time we're coming out of the woods, we look a little frazzled. We look haggard. But we're coming out of the woods, and I'm thinking, we conquered it, we did it, we were better prepared than we thought we were, nothing could beat us, nothing could defeat us. And I still remember this, as I'm coming down the trail that we came up the first day, again, two miles, 3,000 feet, I smell the smell of a pipe. I look down the trail, and there's an older gentleman, pure white hair, smoking a pipe, walking toward us. And he's leading a senior citizen group, there's about 15 of them. And we're sucking wind just trying to get out there. And he walked past me and he goes, I still remember, he goes, good morning, lad, as he's puffing on a pipe. And I thought to myself, I thought I was in shape. I, would have, I thought I was prepared. This guy is smoking a pipe walking right past me. Apparently what I need to do this isn't exactly what I think I need. Have you ever been there? Self-awareness. So where do we start as a church? How are we doing as a big C church? Are we living up to the potential that God created us to live up to? Are we the church that Jesus spoke about when he said, the gates of hell will not stand against this thing? They'll change the world. Is that what we're doing right now? Here are some interesting statistics on the church in America. Listen to this. 75% of those that they surveyed in the survey thought that religion was losing influence in American life. They affirmed that we are no longer a Christian nation. 75%, 7.5 people out of every 10 that you see. 77 people in this survey reported no interest in exploring religion or God in their future lives. None. 
Although nearly 50% of people that they surveyed attended church weekly as a child, only 20% weekly attend church as adults. Only 20%. Serving and volunteering has dropped in America to below 10%. Below 10%. 72% of the respondents who didn't go to church also believe that God does not exist. Seven out of every, every ten, God, he's not even around. And in 2023, we're projected to close. This is church-wide. 4,500 churches and open 3,000. We're going to lose 1,500 churches in America this year. Does that sound like the church as God intended it to be? Are we effective in our communities? Are we effective in our nation? I mean, what's wrong? Why does the church seem to be so ineffective? Well, can I just throw something out here? Maybe it's ineffective because we're building the churches wrong. Maybe we're creating our own blueprints instead of allowing the Holy Spirit and the Bible to give us the blueprint for the church so that we can be a reflection of the kingdom. We have a tendency to do this in our churches. We do what we want to do because it's what we want to do. That's why we have over 30,000 denominations in the United States of America. 30, not the world, 30,000. Years ago, I, now I didn't grow up in the Assemblies of God. I grew up in the Greek Orthodox Church, which means, like my predecessors, we all had huge hats and robes. It was super cool, very cool. We split in the assemblies from the Church of God out of Cleveland, Tennessee. You know how, what we split over? Ready for this? Foot washing. Our belief in foot washing. We believe one thing, they believe something else. Well, foot washing is such a big deal, we have to split. Do we? Maybe we're doing this wrong. Maybe God has a different plan. Where do we start? Well, we start with a God that gives us everything that we need. We start with a God that is not random. He is intentional. Every word that he speaks, he speaks with intention. And everything that he gives us in the word, he gives us with intention. Now, here's the challenge. It's up to you and me to follow it. How many of you know every once in a while we like to pick and choose what we want to follow and what we don't want to follow? It's like you ever have like a good like trail mix? How many of you go after the, you know, you go after the M&Ms before everything? You keep them crummy walnuts. I want the M&Ms, right? Got your Bibles. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to live here today. These are the ministry gifts, and I believe this. This is the blueprint that God gave us for us to build strong, balanced churches that push back the darkness. Now, by the way, and let me preface what I said earlier with this. I think one of the reasons that we've experienced exponential growth, and we have over the last three and a half years, is because this is how we're built. We are not on any of those scales at all. We've defied all of those scales. Even our volunteerism is almost at 50%, which is nuts. And you know what? It should be higher. Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, it says this. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip. Everybody say equip. To equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Let me read it again. Now, these are the gifts that Christ gave the church. 
the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. I believe this passage is a blueprint for us as far as how we can build churches that don't just survive in our world, but thrive. Now, classically, when you look at, you know, the evangelical mindset when it comes to Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, when they teach these gifts, this is usually how they teach the gifts. You have the apostles. What are they talking about with this apostolic gift? Well, they're talking about the old guys, you know, the original band, like the Beatles. You're talking about, you know, you know Peter, talking about Paul, and, you know, if you're old enough, you know, Mary, it's a group. It's funny. The kids are like, who? Forget about it. It's dumb. You got Peter, you got Paul, you got, you know, Matthew and all these guys. They're talking about the original ones, and they're saying that's what the apostles are. That's, you know, that's what we're talking about. By the way, we're not going to talk about apostles or the apostolic gift today. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Do you know how many people in the New Testament were referred to as apostles? 25. 25. How many do you know? You say, I know there's 12, but don't make me name them, Pastor. Right? And then you have the prophetic gift. What's that? We think, well, that's the guys with the old beards. They're usually bald, and they have these visions about heaven and stuff like that, right? We think, that's what we think when we think of prophetic. And we think sometimes the, the, the modern evangelical church says, well, that doesn't really happen anyway. That was back in the day. You know, we don't have that anymore. And then they, they focus on the last three. But we talk about the evangelistic gift, the, the pastoral gift, and we talk about the teaching gift. And what's funny is this. Modern evangelical world, we, we focus on those last three, but we don't focus on the first two. Why don't we talk about the apostolic gift and the prophetic gift? You know why we don't talk about those things? They make us uncomfortable. They're nervous. You can't operate in the first two without having a reliance on the Holy Spirit. How many of you know it's tough to be prophetic if you can't hear God? So you know what we're going to do? We're going to talk about them. I remember he was a kid in the Greek Orthodox Church. They didn't say the Holy Spirit. You know what they used to call him? The Holy Ghost. Nope. Casper was the only friendly ghost I wanted to talk to back as a kid. I don't need no ghost running around my house, right? We don't know what to do with those gifts. That's why we barely talk about them. We don't understand them. They make us uncomfortable. What do we do with things that are uncomfortable? We avoid them. We stay away from them. We don't want anything to do with them, right? What do you do with people that are uncomfortable? That you, yeah, I'm going to go over here. So this is what we've done with those gifts. This is why most of you are afraid of teenagers. I mean, look at that. Matt, are you in this service? I know he's a, he watched online. He goes, Pastor, you did me dirty. I said, no, you dressed like that. <laughs> you dressed like that and there's photographic evidence. It's going on the screen, man. I don't know what to tell you. It's true, though. Some of you avoid teenagers. Why? Because you don't understand their language. They have new things. They still tell me things that I'm trying to work into talks like yeeting things. I don't know how to yeet something. It sounds cool, but I still can't use it in a sentence. Every once in a while, I'm like, yeah, I, like, I yeeted that tomato. And, and usually Toby's like, no, Dad, you didn't do that right. They're different than us. We don't understand them, and they make us nervous. And, and, you know, if you come here on a Friday night, it's like the Thunderdome. There's like a hundred of them, and they're jumping around, and it's loud, and, and it smells, and we don't know what to do with them. So we just avoid them, and we pretend like they don't exist. Unless you have them, you don't want anything to do with them. But here's the reality. They're valuable. Teenagers are valuable, and they're important. And they add to our body. And if we don't, 
acknowledge that we have them. And if we don't engage a teenager, we would have a gap and our church would be lesser. So you need them. The same thing is true with churches. When you, as a church, don't value and operate in all of the five ministry gifts, we become lesser and less effective. You know what we do? We end up relying completely on our own intellect, what we can figure out. And how many of you know this? None of us are smart enough to do this with intellect alone. Your intellect does not save you. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a bookworm. I love to read. I am not a dumb person, I don't think. Maybe I'm not self-aware. I don't know. I do know this. In order to accomplish the task that God gave us, we need to be infused with supernatural power. Our knowledge alone is not enough. Do you hear what I'm saying? We need it all. We need all five-fold gifts in operation. If they're not in operation, then our church is lesser. My point is this, too. When you look at the text, and you know I'm a word nerd, there's nothing in this text that says any of these gifts have ceased. When you look at it, it's pretty clear. The text moves. These gifts move as a whole. It says this. There'll be an operation until. Look at verse 13. This is great. It says, until we all reach unity in the faith. How many of you would clarify and say that our church is completely unified? Again, let me remind you, we have 30,000 denominations. Have we reached unity in the faith? We can't even get along as a movement. Hello? What are the other criterias? And then the knowledge of the Son of God had become mature, attaining the whole. Everybody say whole. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Has anybody in here operate in the understanding of the full measure of Christ? You know everything about Jesus, and he knows everything about you. Now, what is this passage talking about? It's talking about when you die or when Christ comes to fulfill everything. That's when all of these things stop. Why would they stop? Well, because Jesus is here. He takes care of everything. He is the cornerstone. Are you still with me? I know this is tough. It's meat and potatoes. I'll be funny later. Trust me. So why did God establish the church to be this, this way? Why did he create the body to function with these five gifts? You ready for this? To keep the church in balance. We have a tendency to lead and to see our churches and everything we do through our own lens, through our own gifts. All of us have a lens, and we tend to, to do things through our own lens. We like what we like. I would love to give you access to my email for one week so you can hear the feedback that I get from churches sometimes. It's great. It's hysterical. And all it is is people seeing the church through their own lens, especially when it comes to music. Oh, it's great. Pastor, I really believe, you know, we're, we're spirit-filled, so I hear stuff like this. God told me to tell you in email. That's when I'm, as soon as somebody tells me that, my ears go, bink. You know, he said that we need more country music, and I'm like, I don't, I don't receive that. <laughs> if only we had more rap. No. We see things through our own lens. Pastor, it's too hot. Pastor, it's too cold. Yes, it's everything. We exist. We're like... Schrodinger's cat. He could be dead. We don't know. He's in there, right? We see things through our lens. So what keeps us, again, functioning the way we're supposed to is balance. For example, yeah, we all have our little bents. We're on this cruise, and I found out the main thing that you do on a cruise is you eat. And you don't like snack. You eat. 
In fact, I found myself planning meals while I was eating. We were eating breakfast saying, what are we going to do for lunch? That's all you do. So they would have different, you know, they had a buffet that was open all the time. So you'd eat your fine stuff, and then you'd go to the buffet anytime you want. And at, at the buffet, they would have different nationalities that were represented. Now, the, the, the chef was Indian, so they had Indian food. I love Indian food, love curry and stuff like that. So I'd have our fine dinner at like 6, and then around 9, 30, 10, I'd say, you know what, I, I really could use some ice cream, which is at the buffet. So we'd go to the buffet, and I would go there with the intent on eating ice cream, but then I would see other food. And then I would have second dinner at 10.30 at night. And it usually consisted of Indian food, which I don't recommend at 10.30 at night. You know, the, the, how many of you ever heard the song, the Macarena song? You know, dun, 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 dun. 10.30 at night is the Indian food. But then they had other nationalities. They had, like, English Day. I mean, who wants that? You have fish and chips and then, ah, shepherd pie, ah! But then I got really excited because one night they had Greek night. Opa. I got all excited, and I saw, as we're walking up there, they got this sign, and they get this thing called pasticcio. And I don't know if you know Greek food. Pasticcio is basically like a Greek lasagna. It's like lasagna, but better. So I was excited. Robin makes a good pasticcio, and I was excited. This is going to be the greatest thing ever. So I walked up to the, bu- the, the buffet line underneath the Greek flag. It was beautiful because they put the flags up, you know, for the food. And as I got there, it did not look like normal pasticcio. But I don't care what the look, if it, if it tastes fine, that's fine. I don't care what it looks like. So I took a big helping, I put it on my plate, I sat down, and I took the first bite. And I immediately threw my fork down, pushed the plate away, which never happens to me. And I said, this is not pasticcio. This is a poor imitation. It's probably vegan, right? And Robin tasted, she goes, this is terrible. I said, I know. And as I'm complaining about the pasticcio, the people right next to us are like, this is the greatest thing we've ever eaten in our lives. Do you know why? They don't know pasticcio. They don't know. It's not their lens. We're passionate about our lens. We see things through our lens. And that's not a bad thing. God understands that. Do you know that he gave you the lens that you see things through? He gave you those passions. So it's his desire to give you those things and then to create the church that can use all these different parts to work together to do something amazing. Your lens alone is not complete. This is why we need each other. Don't get stuck just by seeing things your own way. Philippians 2.3 says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had. Proverbs 12.15 says this, fools think that their, way, their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. So God gave us the church with these distinct and different gifts to keep the church in balance, but it only works if you value and you affirm not just your gift, but the gift in your brother and your sister that's different than you. He made us in balance so we wouldn't miss aspects of the kingdom. Now, anytime you have such diversity when it comes to gifts, you're going to have this beautiful thing called tension. How many of you know tension isn't a bad thing? Tension keeps things in perspective. For example, how many of you have ever ridden a bike? Nobody in here has ridden a bike. (laughs) What poor, sad people you are. If you've ridden a bicycle, you have these things called wheels, right? Right? And in a wheel, you have a hub, and then you have spokes. 
The hub, you know, is the center point. And what do the spokes do? They carry the tension of the wheel to keep it a wheel. If you take the spokes out, you know what you have? You don't have a wheel. <laughs> it's not going to be a circle. It's going to be really tough to pedal. You can just sit on it, look at it, but that's it. So for us as a church, Jesus is always the center of the wheel. He's always the center. He's always the foundation. The spokes, those are the gifts that are built in tension to keep us in shape, to keep us in form. We build ourselves around Christ. We're not the center. He's the center. Ephesians 2.20 says this. Together. Everybody say together. Together we're his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Now, that's interesting because he's not talking about just the, the apostles and the prophets of old. He's talking about the giftings in those. Because you'll see the apostolic gifts, they, they expand, they build. The prophetic gifts gives direction. It's hard to build a house without those two things. It's hard to build a house without blueprints. It says, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him. He is the hub. We're the spokes. Becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. Again, Jesus is the center. We're connected to him. And he gives us these gifts that we, we lay back at his feet that we use to expand the kingdom. All of us have been given gifts that fit somewhere. All of us have been given this desire and passion to flow in our gifts. And the church needs every gift that you have in order to be healthy. And the goal is to be healthy. Why? Healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. Healthy churches grow. I hear people all the time, well, Pastor, you're, yeah, we're just into numbers. We're not into numbers. We're into health. Healthy things grow. How many of you have a garden? If your garden plants are healthy, what do you expect? Fruit. If you don't get any fruit, what do you do? You steal fruit from your neighbor's garden. <laughs> right? Healthy things grow. You want things to produce fruit. Churches are supposed to produce fruit. So over the next few weeks, we're going to take a look at the gifts that God gave the church. Why is it important for us to know all the gifts? So that you can respect the gift that's different than you. You've got to know the whole plan. So today I'm just giving you an overview of the fivefold ministry gifts, and then I'm just going to talk real quick about some things that keep you from your gifts. So it's not much longer than this. So as I want you to do, I want you to look at the passage again. Look at Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. It says this. Now these are the gifts that Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. He mentions five gifts. What do the five gifts do? Well, first, when you look at the apostolic gift, what does that gift, how does it function? The, the apostolic gift, it moves you forward. It, it, that gift uh, establishes things, beachheads. They bring things into that, that they didn't exist before. We would consider like a lot of our modern-day missionaries to be apostolic. They go and they, they put a flag somewhere that's brand new. Those apostolic gifts, they operate here too. Those are, these are the starters. These are the ones that, that move things forward. These are the ones that, that cause things to grow. I remember when I first kind of was brought into this understanding of this stuff, it made sense. Robin and I are apostolic. Everywhere we go, it grows. People say, what's your secret formula? What's your secret sauce? We don't have a secret sauce. We just, you kind of know what to do. Do you know why? God, he, he, he just gifted us that way. 
So in our movement, you know, they would talk and say, well, we can send TJ and Robin to certain places, and if the church is struggling, they can go there and help it to be built up, and then when it's built up, then maybe we can talk them into going somewhere else. If you're in the church of God out of Cleveland, Tennessee, they just send you. They don't even ask you, right? Why? It's just part of the gift. So that's what the apostolic gift does. It moves forward, takes new ground, helps things to grow. What is the prophetic gift? The prophetic gift doesn't move forward. It's always pointed up. It's listening for God's voice. The prophetic gift, they feel things. They know things that they should know. And that gift is vital. It helps to guide us. It gives us a blueprint on where we're going. It's not super tangible sometimes. So if you're, not, if you're a concrete person, you'll never understand it. And then you have the, the evangelistic gift. They're always looking out. They're looking outside the walls. They're focused on lost people. They embody the words of the Great Commission, go. They go. So they're the ones that send me emails all the time. Pastor CJ, we're not doing enough for all the lost people. What are we going to do about the lost people? What are we going to do about the lost people? And I'm like, I don't know. We're trying. Balance. This is why we do Family Fest and the Egg Hunt and Saturday Night Lights and we go to parades. I met my friend Hector here today. I think he was at first service. Hector came. He's been coming a month. You know why? He's, you know how you heard about Trinity Community Church? The parade. How many of you sweat your guts out during the parade? Well, you did it for Hector and his family. Thank you. Right? So the evangelists, they get out there. And then you have the pastoral gift. They're the innies. They worry about what's going on here. They're the ones who are like, Pastor, but, but, but what are we doing about here? What are the snacks looking like? We've got to get those snacks better. We have to care for people. We, we, we're the, everybody sit in the corner. Everybody hold hands. We're, we're the pastoral gift. Is everybody Okay. You know, they focus on, you know, they're the ones that gather people here in the church. Now, this is funny. When you look at the evangelistic gift and the pastoral gift, the evangelists are looking outside. Those that are, that are pastoral are looking inside. Which one's right? Tension. You need to have both. If you lean inward to pastoral, you forget about everybody on the outside. If you only worry about the outside, how does the church inside grow? Right? And then you have the teaching gift. The teachers, you know, they don't look in, they don't look out. They look down. They want to be, you know, they want depth. They want to be grounded. They want to know what they believe. What's the opposite gift of the teacher gift? The prophetic gift. Prophetics, you know, the prophetic people, they feel. They have the holy goosebumps. Ah, right? And what do teachers? Teachers want to know. A teacher without the spirit turns into dead, dry religion, rules and regulations. Prophetic people, without the grounding of the teacher, they just float away like a balloon without a string. Goodbye, balloon, right? You ever seen them? Which is right, grounding or empowerment of the Spirit? You know what's right? Both. You need both. You see how this works? Tension. You need all of these things to work together. So why is it important for us to figure this out now? This is the time, beloved, where the church needs to be as effective as possible. We need to stand up. We need to do our job. The world depends on it. We've got to stop fighting amongst ourselves, get into God, and do our job. You're the church. I'm the church. We've got to figure this out. Now, the best way for us to operate in our giftings is to know where each of us fit. Because this is what happens. If you can get a, somebody that's pastoral 
to understand that somebody that's evangelistical, you can get them to respect each other and to understand where they're coming from. If those two could lock arms and go together, they can go 10 times further together than the other could alone. That's just how it works. So our church desires to be in balance. That's what we try to do. Now, I want to end with this. Anytime you're talking about the church rising and operating in her gifts, the enemy hates that. So he creates as much things as he possibly can. Do you know the number one thing in the New Testament that Paul talked about, the Bible talks about, as far as the number one danger of the church right now? Do you know what it is? Division. All the other sins you can throw them out. Division. A house divided itself against itself won't stand. So for us, we've got to get on the same page. So God gives you these gifts. The enemy gets nervous when we start talking about gifting and having the church rise to be the church. So he throws everything he can at us to keep you from operating in your gifting. So what are some things, real quick, three things that keep us from stepping into our gifting, three things that keep you in the harbor even though you're made for deep water? What are those three things? First is this, having the wrong focus. When you focus on the wrong things, it keeps you from using your gift for the kingdom. One of the biggest misfocuses that we have is this. We use our gifts for ourselves rather than the kingdom. We think this way. Me first, you get what's left. Does that sound like how Jesus lived? Does that sound like the early church? Now, I'm not asking you to, to be out of balance and do crazy stuff, but what I am asking you is this, to really take a hard look at your life and see. You know, what keeps you from, from walking out giftings that make you uncomfortable? Well, I, Pastor, I don't think I could do that. I, I'm uncomfortable. Who cares? How many of you know that at some point you were probably uncomfortable, you know, when you, when you took your first step? Now, I'm good with the crawling. We're just going to stay with the crawling. Right? How many of you were uncomfortable, you know, the first time you got behind the seat of a car, you know, the, the wheel of a car? I can tell you it was uncomfortable. Your parents on the other side. Remember the first time you moved from driver to passenger and that kid's there and you're like, your spiritual life amped up quite a bit at that, that moment? Oh, God, help us! And every driver in the state of Delaware, right? Focus. Make sure your focus is in the right place. Our focus is always on the kingdom. It's always on God. Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Focus. If you have the wrong focus, you'll never step into your gifting. You'll never step out. You'll stay comfortable and you'll stay safe. You'll just stay safe. Proverbs 4.25 says this. Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Follow him. Colossians 3 2 says this. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. The second thing you have to combat if you're going to step into your gifting is you have to deal with fear. Fear is a great motivator. It's also a great, you know, restrainer. Fear keeps you in the box. Fear keeps you from living out your purpose. Well, what are people going to say? What are they going to do? What if I fail? Can I let you know a little secret? In life, you will fail. You know what's sad? Back when I was a kid, we were okay with failure. I was okay with not being the fastest kid in school. Because I wasn't, because I was a chunky little Greek kid. And no chunky Greek kids are the fastest kids in school. Now, I'll tell you what. If you're going to have like a Big Mac eating contest, I'm your guy. It's okay. Step out. Don't let fear keep you by. You will fail. You'll let things down. You're not going to get it done on your own. Don't be afraid of what people think because understand this. 
If you live your life to people's opinions, that doesn't change. Don't live your life and give people the keys to your happiness, to your purpose. The only one should have that is God. So we live fearlessly. Step out of your gifts. When God awakens things, take a chance. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. When you feel fear, that's not from God. Now, here's the challenge. Over the last three, four years, the church has been in a fearful state. If we're afraid, what on earth is the world going to do? If we're afraid and we have the antidote and we have the answer, what is the world going to do? We're not afraid. Now, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but God does. I hear people all the time, Pastor, do we got to start stockpiling medicine and food and gas and, you know, Chick-fil-A sauce? Do we have to start putting that away? No. The same God that sustains you today in a day of plenty can sustain you tomorrow in a day of lack. On our planet today, there are thousands, even millions of believers around the world that live in lack. And God supplies all of their needs. So don't be afraid of the future. God's still there. 1 John 4.18 says this, There is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. For fear is to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. If you are constantly afraid, it's not a fear issue. It's a love issue. You don't fully, you're not grounded in what God wants to do in your life and, and being who he says that you are. So change that. And the last thing is this, faith. None of these gifts operate with you standing still. You have to take a step. You have to take a chance. You have to move in faith. Whether it's apostolic gifts or, or the ministry gifts or, or manifestation gifts, even the gifts of hospitality, they're all operated in faith. You have to take a step. You have to take a chance. Now, anytime you, you, you take a step of faith, there's the possibility of a failure because that's what faith is. If you know, it's not faith. Your faith, your Christianity will never be void of faith. If it is, it's not real. It's something that you created to make you feel better about yourself. When you are all in with God, he's going to ask you to do some weird stuff sometimes. Like give money to a guy in the Congo. Oh, if it was only that. What do you do the next time when you're at the, the acne, getting your pickles or whatever you get? And God starts to whisper to your heart and says, that person over there, um, you know, they... Their husband just left them. I want you to go, and I just want you to pray with them. Well, Pastor, God would never do that with him. Why not? You know, we have two, two of our son and daughter of our house that are hurting really bad right now. And we deployed, you know, an elder and a couple other people to go sit with them. Robin was with Hannah and Leo until four this morning, just sitting there loving on them. Well, that's them. They're intergalactic Christians. They're just like you and me. We're just vessels that God can use. Be that vessel. Step out in faith. What if God, sometimes we get so focused on all the things that can go wrong. What if, have you thought about this? What if God actually spoke something to you and it all like came out right? What if God asked you to pray for somebody and you did and they actually got healed? 
What if God asked you to, you went up to that lady and, you know, I don't know why, but God told me to, I just feel like I'm supposed to pray with you. Did, you know, did your husband leave today? And what if she's like, how did you know? And then you just love on them and you tell them, well, I don't know, but Jesus knew. He told me to tell you. Doesn't that sound like the way the gift should operate? Doesn't that sound like you're watching The Chosen? What did Jesus say? Greater things will you do. Hebrews eleven six 6 says this, without faith it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that seek him. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says this, we walk by faith, not by sight. Don't give in to the fears. Step out on your gift. Now to get everything started, take a look at this. This is a QR code we're putting up. This is a five-fold ministry gift test. All of you, you know, some of you like the Engram thing, all of you have been gifted in one or two of these five. So what I want you to do is I want you to scan it. Get your phones out. You'll never hear a pastor say this. Get your phones out. And, and, and am I standing in the way? Some of you are like, hey, big Greek guy, can you move off to the side? Sorry, I apologize. Let me take my man purse and I'll move over here. <laughs> scan this and when you, you get your results, I want you to send an email to info at tccde.com. And then over the next five weeks, we're going to have this up every, every time so we can see where your general gifts are at. And as we continue to build these gifts every week, again, this is meat and potatoes, you're going to see where you fit. Now, we're going to do other gift tests where you talk about, you know, some of the spiritual gifts, some of the manifestation gifts, some of you have hospitality gifts, some of you have serving gifts. We're going to talk about all that stuff so that as a church, we can figure out where everybody fits. Does that make sense? What's our job? To do what? Equip the saints to do the work of ministry. We can't equip you and put you where you belong if we don't know what your gifts are. All right, so do me a favor. Did you all get your, I see the phones are down now. Bow your heads just for a second. You can still take a picture if you're still there. This is what I want you to do. I just want you to take a minute and talk to the Holy Spirit. And ask him this question. Say, Holy Spirit, what is, keep, what is keeping me from flowing and walking in the gifts that you've given me? And listen to what he tells you. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.